the Transport Workers Union Local 513 podcast with Second Vice President Brian Parker is online and streaming. Take it away, Brian. Hello, and welcome back to the TWU Local 513 podcast. Joining me today is President Greg Cozy. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. Let's get started. Uh, I just wanted to get you in here, get you on mic. Let's talk for a minute, if you would. I know, it's been a while. Been too long. Too much happening. Like everybody else, we've been busy. There's quite a few things that I want to discuss. The first thing I want to discuss is, I saw you sent an email the other night. Yes, I did. I sent the email to Doug Parker, Robert Isom, David Seymour, and the uh, VP of DFW, Jim Moses. And uh, have you gotten very much response on that? Well, interestingly enough, and of course, I, don't, I honestly didn't anticipate hearing from Doug or Robert, or David for that matter, but uh, Jim Moses has been uh, in constant contact, actually. So Jim Moses is our relatively new VP. I guess he's been here, what, uh, just a few short months? Yeah, he was, he's been here a couple of months. He was here along with Joe Taney towards the end of, of uh, Joe's administration. He was there. They were both in tandem for about two and a half months. So uh, Jim's been running the show for six weeks or so. Yeah, I know collectively as a board, we met with Jim when he first got here. Joe facilitated that meeting. It was a good, you know, open discussion that we had when he first got here. And I know Jim and yourself have talked quite a bit since then and stayed in pretty close contact. Yes, uh, we, we try to touch base at least a couple of times a week about various issues. And so, uh, of course, after the email was sent out late Sunday night, we actually touched base around midnight and then again early Monday morning. And uh, we were working just discussing what had transpired over the weekend, the operation. I voiced, obviously, the concerns of the local about our membership, what we had gone through, what we had endured over the weekend, our opinions on what could have been done better. So, yeah, we, we, we had a pretty robust discussion. Before we get into more about the operation and stuff and about the content of the email, let's talk a little bit about Jim Moses. Obviously, you weren't surprised that you heard from Jim so quickly. Not really. So we, you know, you, when, you, when you get a new manager, regardless of what level it is, we typically reach out to our colleagues through the system, try to get a pulse on you know, what kind of leadership they bring to the table. We've heard some, some pretty good things about Jim. So, of course, the proof is in the pudding. Everyone has a honeymoon period. And I think we're in that honeymoon period, but we'll see. Okay, let's move on to the content of the email. It was about the operation. Obviously, you wrote it out of passion because you're, you're a passionate leader. You take what you do very seriously, and you represent our members very well. What's going on at DFW? Well, uh, let me lay a little bit of the context out. So the email was about our concerns as far as the operation. It's a two-year or at least 18-month argument that we've had with management about dynamic staffing and about the modeling, uh, modeling being how the headcount is distributed. We, as a local, have argued, and, and I use that word because it has been an argument. It has been a fight. I'd like our members to understand the challenges that has been presented you know, from management about dynamic staffing and about the, the headcount. As a local, we have argued, we have fought tremendously to let management know that in their attempt to reinvent the wheel, which is this dynamic staffing, they lose the essence of what DFW is really all about. It's really funny that management pushes this team concept 
And prior to dynamic staffing, I do believe that we had teams. We called them crews, but we were a team. We were a family. And with the dynamic staffing, what they've essentially done is they've destroyed our team. They've destroyed the essence of what DFW is really all about. And as a local, we have fought to try to go back to static staffing, to move away from the dynamic staffing. For those who don't really know what it is, dynamic staffing, and, and most of you guys live it, but the staffing model that they suggest is that they move people to the work. Well, DFW is way too large with three, now four concourses, almost 100 gates, four bag rooms, ABR areas throughout the airport. It's virtually impossible to move so many people around to the work. Instead, we believe that there should be a static manning model which means that our guys are stationary on the gates and they are available and ready to receive all of the inbound flights. Now, mind you, before they went to this total dynamic staffing, we did sort of a hybrid. What we, we did dynamic staffing, if that's what you want to call it, on complexes one, two, and nine prior to the total dynamic staffing. And so we believe that the company should go back to that model simply because in our experience, it provides continuity and its stability within the operation. Now, they've told us that they're seeking to be more efficient. And while on paper, you know, they can present as much data as they want, they can all, you know, and they manipulate the data. So, you know, they could show that they're more, quote unquote, efficient. But I think that, again, and I don't want to overuse this, uh, this uh, phrase, but the proof is in the pudding. Our operation, our numbers haven't been consistent. They haven't been good since we've moved to dynamic staffing. And so, you know, I think that they have to, at some point, headquarters has to be responsive, uh, not just to the workforce, but I think our customers, our customers are dissatisfied. And so the, the email that I sent, go back to the email, the email that I sent, I tried to express the sentiment of, of our workforce. I tried to express the sentiment of our members. Our members essentially want to provide a great service. They want to provide a world-class travel experience for our customers. And how we do that is that we, you know, you, you have to give us the tools that we need, which means gives us, give us the manpower that we need and give us the equipment with which to work and then set us free and let us do it. You know, I've got 33 years with this company. I've been in different stations. And the most successful operations that I've been a part of, management has provided the resources and the equipment and let us do our jobs. And I don't believe that we're in that environment right now. So you were talking about dynamic staffing. Let's talk a little bit more specifically about staffing. So the staffing model is, or the trend is, that headquarters seems to think that we need the ratio to change for more part-time employees and less full-time. Obviously, we know that that's not what's best for DFW, but explain why. Well, I think there are several, several reasons. Let me give you, kind of give you the context behind it. Manpower planning runs these charts and graphs, and they base it on the flight schedule, and they also base these manpower, and I, I laugh because it's, it's silly, but they base the, the staffing models on a perfect day. There are no aircrafts that go out of service. There is no weather. Everything is on time and on schedule. 
And so that's what, how they, they derive their, their manpower or the head count. So in their infinite wisdom, they have decided that because of the, the way that this is derived, that there's a better utilization of headcount using part-timers. So as we've added, and, and I didn't realize this until the other day, in the past 46 days, DFW has added 200 flights mainline. And so just in, in general, when you've, you're adding 200 flights to an operation virtually overnight, because a hundred of those flights went literally from Wednesday to Thursday of last week, there has to be an anticipation of manning issues. And uh, they believe through manpower planning that the most efficient way to do an operation is to have more part-timers. In our experience, it has shown that you get more work out of full time. I mean, it just it just makes sense. A guy's on the clock for eight hours. You have him for eight hours to, to, to work. And so, but for whatever reason, and I believe there's some other contractual issues that affect DFW as well. There's a ratio in the contract that suggests that American can elevate its headcount up to 34% this year of uh, part-time throughout the system. And I believe that they're trying to achieve that through an increase in the, the part-time headcount here at DFW. But I think it's to the detriment of the operation. DFW is not fluid enough to move people around the way that they think that they can. And plugging in part-timers is not, not the answer. Well, the landscape alone speaks to exactly what you're talking about. You can't be that fluid with an operation with such landscape. It's just vast, and the way things are laid out, it takes a long time to get from point A to point B and then on to C and D. Yeah, to that point, part of this, this manpower planning, and, and it, was a, it was a notion that started in the latter part of 2019, and it really, really was implemented in 2020 as we navigated through the pandemic, there was a belief or a notion that every airport should be manned or based on the same staffing model. And so they didn't take into account the actual landscape of the airport at DFW. So when you, you look at or you compare DFW to other hubs, there is no other hub that has four concourses. There is no other hub that has four bag rooms. Essentially, we'll have a fourth very soon over in the B concourse. There is no other hub that it literally takes you 25 minutes to go from one gate to an opposite gate. So the, there are inherent challenges at DFW that don't exist anyplace else. And so if you discount that and you use a cookie cutter model to try to staff DFW, we end up with what happened over the weekend. And so it's really important at this point that our message has to be centered around making people at headquarters understand that DFW is different. Every hub is different. I worked in Miami for many years. Miami was international intensive. It called for a different headcount model. Couldn't use the same model for DFW as you could for Miami, nor could you use the same for Chicago and so, or Charlotte for that matter. And so those are some of the challenges that we've been trying to fight through because we have got to get someone at headquarters to recognize the fact that DFW has to be treated differently when it comes to headcount. 
So if you're going to bake a cake, you need proper ingredients. Absolutely. So let's talk about the cake that got baked at DFW, which led up to your email. Coming off a pandemic, trying to get people back to work, you know, calling them back off leaves and everything, furloughs. They're in the process. All of a sudden, they're going to run real fast and hire people, which is a challenge, not just for American, but it's a challenge across the United States right now, getting people to work. But they also had an unstable model pre-pandemic. We were very unstable going back in specifically 2019. We limped through 2020. 2021, we're going to run fast. Dynamic staffing was not a success. The headcount wasn't properly set. They're trying to change the part-time, full-time ratio. You throw all that in together, and then they, like you say, just basically overnight, drastically increase the flights. They don't have all the ingredients. So I don't know what the mindset was. They're so data-driven at headquarters. It would seem like that on paper, they would have seen that this is just going to be a fiasco. Well, I just think that people have very short memories. We lived through the 2019 DFW 900. We went up to 500 mainline flights virtually overnight two years ago. And that was a, a, a horrendous summer. Coupled with the manpower issues, we had tremendously bad weather during that whole summer. And so the conversations that I had at headquarters uh, in the fall of 2019, they attributed all of our mishaps to the weather. Imagine that. So I don't believe that they learned anything. Because there was an anticipation, perhaps, that maybe the weather would not attribute to issues this, you know, this summer. But as and I laugh because, you know, we had monsoon type rain the whole weekend. And so um, one of the things that I did not want management to turn around and say was that the reason why we performed so poorly was because of the weather. I think it's it's uh, easy to see outside of. Uh, a, a weather event that the manning and the headcount, the staffing model is wrong. It's incorrect for DFW. And again, you know, we make the assertion that uh, you add 100 flights virtually overnight without additional headcount. And yeah, there were challenges. They, they've hired large number of, of part-timers, which we always appreciate new members and, and new coworkers. And, you know, as I say, family members, but the reality is we needed full-time heads and we didn't get them. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to take. Like you said, we sit in meetings and you sit in meetings, you know, we belabor the points that we need more headcount. We need more full-time. This model won't work at DFW. You would think that by now they would have seen and understood. Maybe they are finally getting it. I don't know. We just have to keep doing what we do. Let's move past all that. And you mentioned new members. I want to talk about some new members. Obviously, it's good to get new members in, but it's how they're received into the company that's the most important to set them on a, on a path for a future with a local 513 and with American Airlines. Yeah, it's very important. Kind of like what I talked about at the last union meeting, I always stress the fact that we're family. We spend literally more time with our coworkers sometimes than we do with our own families, especially if we work extra hours, overtime, CSs, whatever. I'm big on relationships. I'm big on people learning each other and talking to one another and developing bonds, because ultimately, if you spend that much time with someone, you want to at least make it somewhat enjoyable as much as, much as possible. And so with the, the new hires, 
I think it's really important that those of us who have, you know, seniority, treat them like we were treated when we first got hired. I can remember when I first got hired in Nashville, I was in cargo for the first year of my career with American, and the guys in cargo embraced me. They showed me how to do the job. They showed me what to do and what not to do. They treated me with respect. You know, I was a young pup, but they, you know, they took me under their wings. And I've always appreciated that. And what I've always tried to do is to try to pay that forward. And so when I, you know, interacted with new hires or newer employees, I always, you know, looked back on that time and said, well, let me kind of, you know, do the same thing for them. So I, re- I really think it's important for our members to embrace these new, the new hires because uh, they are, they're part of our family now. Or they're part of our union. It's discouraging when, you know, you hear guys talk down on the union or talk down on each other uh, to these new hires when they really haven't had a chance to formulate their own opinions. Nothing is perfect. But again, you know, I, I just believe that it's really important as a person with some kind of tenure, not just with the, with the company, but within the union, kind of put uh, things in perspective for them and to really show them how to be a professional and how to, uh, you know, do things within the, cla- the class and craft that would make themselves and, and, you know, their coworkers proud. Yeah, I know you and I share the same vision that we want to leave it better than we got it. Okay, let's move on a little bit. We're going to hit the road here pretty quick and head to a couple of our outstations. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So the pandemic was such an unusual circumstance. It affected all of us in many, many, many different ways. And so part of the challenge that we've had as a local is to try to educate and implement a new agreement during a pandemic. So it was kind of difficult to get all of our stewards up to speed. We implemented the stewards calls almost weekly or if not bi-weekly. We've, of course, you know, we've put out communications a little bit more frequently than, than we probably would have outside of a pandemic situation. But we're, we're going to uh, go next week in, to San Antonio and Austin, have special sessions with our shop stewards there. Uh, eventually, we'll go end up in, uh, in Nashville to do the same there. And of course, Part of the uh, continuing education uh, that I think is really important for everybody is that the local has decided to do classes twice a month starting this month at the hall. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a couple of articles of the contract. Uh, We'll start with some of the articles that are joint in both of the books and just dissect them and go through them and, you know, try to provide an explanation for them. Okay, uh, you want to give a shout out to some uh, kind of a group that was some unsung heroes through all this was Cargo. Man, they stepped up during the pandemic. Indeed, they did. I'm not surprised, though. We have a fantastic cargo operation. Our guys over in Cargo are totally committed throughout the pandemic. They were pretty much responsible for any income that American Airlines got because they were pushing those freighters in and out. That whole operation over there really, really stepped up. Speaking of unsung heroes, Title II, GSC and facilities. We have, without a doubt, the best in the system. There's no question. Our guys are hardworking. They're committed. Recently, the organization at American underwent uh, a reorganization, and there was some realignment that took place. So ultimately, we have, have some concerns about 
what those uh, those changes will be, you know, in the future. But right now, there's no effect on our membership. So we just want to, as, as things progress, we'll keep our finger on the pulse over there. Any changes that do take place, we'll, we're certainly going to get that information out. For the first time in, in this administration, we have a monthly meeting set up with the leadership over in Title II so that we can just kind of address whatever the, the issues are and, and stay real close to what's going on. So, Okay, let's talk a little bit about Allied, which are the fuelers at DFW. A lot of uh, the new members are probably not going to know that they're local 513 members also. We've definitely had some pains with Allied. You want to talk about the pains and then where we're at right now? Yeah, so we represent the, uh, the fuelers and the, the maintenance workers over at uh, Allied, <clears throat> Allied Av- Aviation. We have about 225 uh, members that we represent over there. Uh, there's been a very contentious relationship with, with their uh, leadership over the years. In fact, our local has had to, to sue them in federal court uh, in order to try to get them to, the, uh, to arbitration. Uh, there are several cases that have been on the docket for many years. And just in recent weeks, fortunately, I guess, there's been somewhat of a change of heart after lawsuits and many back and forth arguments and conversations that now they have a, a willingness to sit down and try to negotiate. Now, realistically speaking, some of the settlement offers that they've uh, passed across the table are completely and woefully not sufficient, but we're, at least we're talking. And part of the conversation, of course, is that we're beginning the contract negotiations, which is extremely important to all of our members over there. There's some payroll issues that we're trying to work through and get resolved. Some of our members were due some back pay on June the 3rd, and I think the majority of them received the back pay, but there's still some folks who were not satisfied by, by the company. So we're, we're, gonna, we're looking into making sure that those folks receive their pay. But yeah, it's been a very contentious relationship with their leadership, both locally and uh, their corporate leadership. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Well, you know me, Brian, I'm always pushing the, the relationships. I'm always pushing the family. I realize and I hope that our members realize that the past year has been extremely traumatic for everybody for various reasons. I just want everybody to sometimes take a step back, try to put yourself in your coworkers or your sister union, sister or brother's shoes for a moment and relax. We've got a tough summer ahead of us. It's going to be hot. We know that there are a lot of issues in the operation, not just with the fleet service, but also with our Title II group and, uh, and of course, with the Ally. And so I just I hope that everybody understands that you have to sometimes take a deep breath and realize that you're, you're in, a, in a brotherhood and a sisterhood, that we're all in this together, that we're not, you know, we shouldn't be fighting each other. That we have an entity, whether it's American Airlines or Allied Aviation, that is the, the, I won't say the enemy, but it's the entity that we should be pushing our displeasure with, not each other. You know, we're hearing uh, reports of guys, and we just started the summer, but we're hearing reports of guys kind of going at it with each other throughout the operation. And I think that it's all based on the fact that this past year has been tremendously difficult for everybody. And so, again, just take a deep breath. We're going to get through it. And that's, that's kind of my message. You know, we have membership meetings coming up at the end of the month. We have our classes coming up next couple of weeks. 
So again, I just, you know, I like to stress the fact that we are a sisterhood and a brotherhood and to try to remain professional and and treat each other with the, the respect that we all all deserve. Hot summer, stay hydrated. If you find yourself being uh, stressed by the heat or the workload, uh, again, be sure to take care of yourself. Get water, get in the shade, do whatever you have to do in order to be healthy and safe. You know, my mantra at the, at the union meetings is that you want to go home in the same condition with which you came to work. So that's it. Okay. I appreciate the encouraging words. Thank you for your leadership. Thanks for joining me. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. Have a great day. For questions and comments about today's podcast, please email podcast at twulocal513.org. For more information about TWU Local 513, please visit www.twulocal513.org. Music licensed by Pond5. Today's podcast was produced, engineered, and edited by Tommy Engel.